I want to just go right into the focus that I have for tonight, which is in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read from verse 35, and uh, I just want to go right to the scriptures. Start with the word. Uh, The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God's, so this is God's word, and it's Hallelujah. We thank you for your holy word, Lord. I pray that you would be with my mouth and be with our ears, that we would have a hearing of faith. We'd get built up in our, our viewpoint, our, our assurance of who you are in Jesus' name. Hebrews 10.35, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. King James says, Cast not away your confidence. Confidence is key here. Confidence is something that gets chipped away at, it can uh, be replaced with fear, but we know God's not given us a spirit of fear. Confidence is a a boldness, it's a sure-footedness, it enables us to overcome through life, and we're not to throw it away, we're not to cast it away, because it has a great reward, and uh, it's very rewarding. In Matthew 6, Jesus said to the uh, Pharisees, look, man, if you're trying to pray to be noticed by people, you have your reward in full. You'll have the praise of men, but you're, you're not really doing it the way I want you to do it. And then he said, uh, you know, if you're giving and you're blowing a trumpet when you're giving alms, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, you know, alms is, it, we're giving to the less fortunate, and you, you just have to treat that in a very private way. Not let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Otherwise, you'll have your reward in full. And then fasting and trying to look all, you know, spiritual and you you forfeit what you really, what the real essence of it is. There's a reward in prayer. There's a reward in giving. There's a reward in fasting. uh, And there's a reward in faith. And it, it later on says, if you just hold to that place there about reward and go to, to Hebrews 11, 6, we're going to read in the in between of it. But I want you to see, cast not away your confidence which has a great, great reward. Everybody say great reward. You know, the great reward, the lion's share of our inheritance is going to be in heaven. I was thinking about it today. The inevitability of death. Death is an enemy, so we don't cherish the notion. But we do have assurance that beyond it is something wonderful and great. Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's not morbid. That doesn't that doesn't uh, prompt suicidal thoughts that or any kind of escapism. We should fight like a baby when they're born. And everybody I've been with at the end of their life, they fought for every breath. And we ought to live and breathe and thank God for every day, the high times and the hard times. My Bible says we're to count it all joy even when we encounter trials. You may be right in the middle of a hot bunch of difficulty. And I want to tell you, though, Continue to count it all joy because you will get to the other side. The Lord will see you through. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Without faith, it says in verse 6, it is impossible to please him. We're going to talk about faith. The Greek word faith, it's pistis, and it means so many deep things. I have a, a series of things I want to bring to you. Hopefully, the synonyms will somehow get you some clarity about it so it's not a mystery. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, we read that and it's like, well, what does that mean? I'm, well, hopefully we're going to get to understand some of that today. Faith is action. Faith is trusting God. 
Faith comes by hearing how faithful he is, how good he is, what his promises are, what he intends to do, what he will do, and then we take hold on it with corresponding action. We take hold of it. We believe, we receive when we pray. And he says here, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So then with faith, it's possible to please him. And our faith can increase, our faith can grow. He told some people, oh, ye of little faith. And then he talked to the Thessalonians about their increasing faith. So how about that? We can feel depleted, but yet we can go to the word of God and we could feed at the table. And that spiritual nutrition will come to us and we will, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it says here, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. How many of you believe there's a God? Okay, there you go. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So see, don't cast away your confidence because there's a reward. And then it gets even more technical. Listen to this. It's really not complicated, though, because in the next verse it says, for you, I, we have need of endurance. The King James says patience. Uh, it's hupomone, and it means uh, cheerful or hopeful constancy. Cheerful or hopeful constancy. It's not just plodding along, I'm just trying to be patient. It has a cheerfulness to it because you have inside information that as you and I and we stand on the promises of God, inevitably, eventually, we're gonna experience the breakthrough because he is faithful. And when we know we have the word on it, it produces assurance that is as solid as a granite boulder. And, it's faith, and God is faithful with his promises. Faithful with his word. He said, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Guys, it would be good for us to identify his precious and magnificent promises and become aware of them. Promises of salvation, promises of healing, promises of answered prayer, promises that, you know, we look at, we see, you know, the assurance we have. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse in order that there may be meat in my house. And he said, test me now in this and see that I will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing you cannot contain. Here's another thing. We share the gospel with people because we're commissioned to be soul winners, to be evangelistic, meaning we are to spread the good news. God has called us. And if you read the book of Acts, Philip went out and preached Jesus to people and he saw the Ethiopian eunuch and the Lord spoke to him and said, join this chariot. He was in a chariot and he was reading the scroll of Isaiah while he was waiting for whoever he was serving. And uh, he, you know, he walked up to him and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, how can I if nobody's explaining it to me? So Philip got up in there and started to talk to him. He read it to him and he began to, from that scripture, preach Jesus to him. From this scripture, I'm preaching Jesus to you. And what happened was the Ethiopian eunuch got a breakthrough. He, he said, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip, and he went into the water. He baptized him. Philip found himself in a place called Azotus, which was about 37 miles away. And he got out of the water, and it was like, well, the, the, this is way before Beam Me Up Scotty. You know, this is way before any of that. And he got up, and you know what he immediately did? Kept preaching the gospel at Azotus. So that's how Philip, Philip didn't like, you know, develop and enshrine something there and start bragging to everybody about it. He got up and went, okay, and he kept preaching the gospel. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, 
whatever setting you find yourself in, through high times and hard times, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And I'm preaching to some people that are in this battle of faith, in the journey of life, at some sort of place, some sort of position, some sort of increment, and I feel urged in my spirit to remind you that in verse 35, you and I and we are advised to cast not away our confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. It has a great reward. There are great dividends to walking in obedience to the Lord. It's great to have faith. Faith pleases God. Without it, it's impossible to please him. With it, let's explore what it really means. In fact, we're going to look at an amazing verse, Mark chapter 10. But right now, I want to just, just get a hold of this. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Wow. Uh, th this is so close. Let's just flip a couple of pages. Keep your hand there and quickly go to James chapter 1. If you have your Bible... And it would be good if you carried your Bible. It's so powerful to carry that, that with you so you can pull it out, underline it, and read it, and uh, get, get everything you can out of God's Word. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Did you know the stuff you've been through? produces endurance. And didn't it just echo in the book of Hebrews, you have need of endurance? And then didn't it just say, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance? So going through the challenge, the confrontation, the conflict, the disruption, the irrit irritants of life, you know, what the enemy means for harm, God turns around for good. And let endurance have its perfect result. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete. Now the word perfect is a little rough for us. It really means more like maturing, developing, growing as a Christian. So let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be mature, solid, steadfast, durable, persevering and complete, uh, lacking in nothing. So many of us in the human race feel like we're a day late, a dollar short. There's a, I bought a t-shirt for my, one of my kids. I saw it. It said FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And there's such a grip on modern, this modern impulse-oriented culture, Western civilization, Got an instant gratification, got to have it now. And there's always this nagging thing that I should have, could have, would have. There's always this thought, the other man's grass is always greener. You see the perspective of it. But you know, if you walk over to the other man's grass and look at it, it's full of chiggers and brown spots and weeds, just like everybody else's grass. Nevertheless, we count it all joy when we encounter these things, because it causes maturity, it causes completeness, and we will lack in nothing. And uh, so if anybody lacks wisdom, we can ask God, and so there's wisdom concerning this, and there's a lot of wisdom in verse 35 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, don't cast it away, don't lose it, don't let it slip, 
which has a great reward. Listen, intimidation, saber-rattling belittlement is one of the hallmarks of the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, then he also wants to steal your confidence and make you question and make you doubt. Um, does God really love you? Um, you know, did God really tell it to you straight? That's exactly what Lucifer did in Genesis chapter 3, and he's still doing it today. Nothing's new under the sun. He's the father of lies, and every, every generation that comes by, he'll just take the well-worn tools out of his toolbox and chisel away and chip away at the confidence of a believer and try to get doubt and unbelief and discouragement to uh, germinate and to grow and to take root. And it's places like this and people like us and moments like this and that book like that uh, that will get us into a place where we conquer these things, we address these things uh, nobly, boldly, and refuse to quit, refuse to shrink back. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll reap if you faint not. Sounds like a do not throw away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. And it says, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Listen, if you want to be fit, then you have to have diet and exercise. If you want to grow in the Lord, you need to read the Bible and you need to pray and fellowship with Him. And I'm totally convinced that this is a full contact operation. God doesn't want us to do this distant and digital. He wants us to do this with connection and FaceTime uh, literal FaceTime where you actually see people. I want to seek his face I don't, and I want to see his face in, in prayer and I want to connect with him. And I also want to connect with people, other people in the body of Christ, i.e. the church. So it's good to show up. Last week I talked about in Mark chapter 3, a man that Jesus was at the synagogue and he was preaching and there was a man there with a withered hand. And that's all. He was there. He showed up. So there's something about showing up. There's something about not giving up. There's something about not throwing away your confidence. Coaches at halftime, I've seen so many interviewers after they just, the, the, the particular team and the particular sport just went in, you know, with their shoulders slumped and their heads down and they went back out, fired up, and they won the game. And they said, what did you say during halftime? And, uh, you know, morale boosting is... A, a rare and lost art. And uh, I, I shared about the centurion uh, that, that Jesus honored by saying, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. He, he was a man of honor. He was a man of humility. He was a man of compassion. In another uh, book in, in the Bible, it said that he built, actually with his own money, built a temple, a synagogue rather, for the Jews. And they said he's worthy but he told Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. So it showed that he was a man of some unusual character. Even though he was a Roman, a Gentile, he was, he was uh, interested in the things of God being assigned there in Palestine. And then in particular, watching with fascination, Jesus, who came off the mountain and a crowd was around him. And one leper with leprosy walked up to him and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper was, was in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, and the centurion apparently was right there because this is the next item that happened right after the leper. Jesus said, I will, and he stretched forth his hand, put his hand on his head and said, be healed, be cleansed. 
and he healed him. You know, God doesn't withhold these things from you. And right now, there's a battle in your soul. And right now, the reason I'm teaching this is so you can supervise your thoughts. And yes, I am trying to build morale. And yes, I am trying to stir you up by way of reminder. Yes, I am trying to represent to you how faithful God is and how important it is on our end that we do not throw away our confidence and just start to just give up and become listless and just, just give up and back off. Boy, every time that I've yielded any aspect of that, it hasn't gone well for me. So we just have to fight our way through, come what may. We're called to be scrapping fighters. We're, we fight the good fight of faith. Say this with me. I fight the good fight of faith. Paul said when he boxed, he didn't want to flail his arms in the air. And I was told by a boxer that it, that's actually dangerous for your shoulders and your rotator cuff. You, got, you can't just, if you swing your arms out like that, it, it becomes, it makes, it jeopardizes your anatomy. So he said, I want to make my blows count. And uh, how many of you want to, you want to win the good fight of faith? Well, a good fight is a fight that you win. And we fight it with this kind of weaponry, with this kind of armament. And this armament is clear. It says, do not throw away your confidence. So that means he has confidence present in our lives when faith comes. Faith causes assurance to come about God's, we become informed about his character and personality. He talked about, hey, you earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children. And he said, you're evil. You're certifiably evil. You're humans and you're fallen, yet you still know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? We need to understand how good our God is. And I believe Jesus pulled the curtain away from the obscuring of, of God and he, he, he wanted to introduce humanity in terms of this is my father. This is a heavenly father. And he revealed the fatherhood of God and how good God is. Now, God is not, one, one verse said, you know, if, what kind of father is it if, you, if a child asked for an egg, you'd give him a stone, or, or I mean, a, a loaf of bread, you'd give him a stone. Ask for, what was it, a fish? you give him a serpent? And I wrote down in my Bible, that's child abuse. And God is not an abuser. God is not a deadbeat dad. God is not vague or distant. He is a very present help in trouble. And he fought, he, his fatherhood is so rich. Where do you think all the love in parenthood and grandparenthood comes from? It comes from God. It's not just some sort of instinct uh, nurture component on the top of the heap of mammals. We're created in God's image. We're not in an animalistic uh, origin. We have been created from the dust of the earth and God breathed into us the breath of life. And here, here we go. Wham, we're God's people. And so don't throw away your confidence for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. God promised a promised land to Jacob. God promised that Abraham would be the father of many nations. God promised that David would see something of breakthrough in his life and that, that a, a Messiah would come and sit on the throne of David and be a descendant of David. David, though he failed, he would repent and he would return and seek after the Lord. And he was called at the summary of his life in the book of Acts, a man after God's own heart who would do God's will. And after he served the purposes of God in his generation, he fell asleep, he died and was laid there with his fathers. 
But yet, in his increment of life, he did not cast away his confidence. He, he stood firm. Here's what it says here. You may receive what was promised. He that comes to God, go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and let's juxtapose this here. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. What do you believe in God for? For your daughters, parents. What do you believe in God for? For the upcoming days of your marriage, married people. What do you believe in God for? For your nation in this election period. What do you believe in God for? As we come out of and emerge out of a, the first real pandemic in 100 years. How, how, what, what are you believing God for for society? What are we believing God for? For the restoration of the things that, where the momentum has been seized. Let's just use our faith and stand before God with our petitions and our prayers and our giving of thanks. Let's pray on behalf of all men. Let's believe God that in the midst of our sorrows and our hurts that we will be undeterred. Because the Bible says it's inevitable offenses will come and uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And we're not, we don't have the ability to override people's free will and sometimes people make poor choices and we have to suffer the consequences along with them. That's just part of the human condition in this beautiful and yet challenging world. And so this is precisely why I'm teaching this again right now. Cast not away your confidence because it has a great reward. Imagine the reward system of God. Imagine you keep praying for the loved ones that have hardened and are adamant and say, I don't believe, and you just keep trusting God. My brother and I would pray for our dad. He was a very nice man. He was a very kind man. He had a Christian mother, but he was never really in church. He was a businessman. It wasn't a part of our lives growing up. We both became Christians. We started praying for our dad. And I had a talk with him at the 16th floor of the Pierre Laclede building, and we got in a bit of an argument. And why not? I'm this punk child, and he's my father. And it just, you know, a prophet is without honor in his own home and among his own kin. So I got it in my heart. God, I pray you send laborers to cross this path. And my brother recently showed me a picture of a German businessman named Bernd Madaus. And he had become a Christian uh, in the context of a church that we actually supported in Munich, uh, pastored by some people from St. Louis, who the, the man's dad was actually my insurance agent. And I prayed, and my, and my dad was in this very unique role in aerospace. He was a, an estimator, and he was into parametric analysis. And uh, so he went to a co conference of parametric analysts. And it was a, actually a culture called ISPA. And, and he, went to, he went to meetings in Europe and uh, along comes a guy, a God, we you pray the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers to cross their paths. And so all the way across the planet at a business conference, God had a man that my dad would not be defensive with, would not be resistant to, that they would both be able to speak each other's. Bert spoke English, but also he spoke that culture of parametric analysis, whatever that is. And with the relevance of all that, isn't that amazing that God answered our prayers all the way, and it happened to be the son and daughter-in-law of my insurance agent and this church that we supported that was actually an amazing place. 
That's the kind of thing God will do. How many of you have seen God do some extraordinary things? And we that buy into the Bible, buy in. I'm not like Thomas Jefferson where I want to sift out the miracles and just read the, the ethics. Uh, the, the miracles are what reinforce the ethics and the ethics are what reinforce the miracles, okay? It's, it's, it's part and parcel of the whole package. And you know, I don't wanna shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Listen, here's what it says here. I wanna talk to you about shrinking back as we just get ready to finish because it's the opposite of endurance. It's the opposite of confidence. So there's a contrast here. He says, cast not away your confidence. Don't throw it away because it has a great reward. It's an important commodity. In fact, that's what I've heard coaches say to the interviewers when they come back and they, and they make a comeback. It, you know, they just got the people to get their confidence back. Their confidence was depleted. I, we've watched, I've watched basketball games with my son-in-law and he's, he's, he said their, their, their confidence is gone. Something just happened and it just, the whole team, it just started to leak out. Well, this must not happen amongst us. It must not happen to you. There is something on the other side of the stuff you're dealing with right now. And as hard as, listen, man, I've been reading Job. The last time I read Job, I was certifiably in a terrible place. I had had a boating accident. I, didn't, I underestimated the impact of the uh, trauma. I was the only one of the three that saw the whole thing happen. I had to navigate through all of it. I was praying for my friend who had blood inside his oxygen uh, mask and he was laying there and he could hardly breathe. I was believing God he would live and not die. We were all hurt. We were all suffering. The other two, one guy said to me, it'll be harder for you than us because you saw everything. We don't remember anything. And I thought, yeah. But then I had a terrible year and a half battle with that. My wife prayed for me and my kids and the, our church. And we need the church. We need each other. And I, I, am, a, I am a recipient and, and a benefactor of your faith. I needed your faith. I needed your, your confidence. And when I, I was so uh, uh, under it. But now I'm, I'm reading uh, uh, Job and he's, he's been attacked and he's like questioning all these things. But, but I keep looking at the last, the 42nd chapter where he gets the breakthrough. And I heard a theologian say that it was really just about a bad year and a half. And I, cause you know, we think, oh, it's like, I'm like a Job. And it's like relating to suffering to this, some sort of way where it's like a whole lifetime. And no, sorrow may last for the evening, but joy comes in the morning. And, and uh, God's, God's favor is for a lifetime. And he's the master of breakthrough. And he's, he's amazing, okay? So whatever, I mean, I, I, was, I felt like I was laid low in the wilderness. And I, could, I was falling and I couldn't get up. I, was just, I would even be laying in the yard trying to read. I found a book in my library of a great author. And, I, and it had this like making a comeback. And I started to read it. It was all about Job. And it was very depressing. So as I was reading, it was like, no, man, this was not living up to its title. And uh, yeah, so at chapter 42, uh, he said, your plans cannot be thwarted in verse two. And in verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes twofold. So he got a breakthrough. So whatever you're going through right now, I pray you get a miracle boost in faith starting right now. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I pray there'd be some semblance of hope that would come in you. And in fact, this, this idea of a cheerful or hopeful constancy, 
something about just continuing, even through your tears. Uh, you know, just thank you, God, that there is a breakthrough in here somewhere. Thank you, God, that you hear and you answer prayer. And you're going to uncomplicate this awkwardness. You're going to come and you're going to offset this toxicity. You're going to come in and you're going to bring healing. Look, the leper goes to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And he goes, I will be cleansed. And he's totally free. The centurion said, hey, man, my servant is at home sick. And he goes, I'll go to your house. He goes, no, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. And what was it? He just said, if you just, I just trust you and your word. You don't even have to step foot in my house. And even other people were advocating for him saying he's worthy because he's been a great proponent of the Jewish nation. And he, he paid for with his own cash uh, a synagogue. And he probably got ridiculed by a lot of the other Roman soldiers that were pagan, heathen, idolaters. And here's this guy with love for the Jewish people. But that's not the basis of how anything happened. In fact, he negated that when other people were trying to, that they were in the law and that were in works. And this is probably part of why he had an easier time receiving because he wasn't under the law. He, he just came in and he said, man, I watched you and I'm like, I'm a man under authority and I could tell you're not just winging it. You know, I'm from the great capital of Rome and I'm a representative and part of the Roman Empire. I'm over 80 people. I, I fought in wars. I'm, liter I'm literate. I could read and write and I can throw a spear and I could hold up a sword and I could fight and I could lead and I could boost. And one of the key things that, that the uh, centurions had to do was boost the morale of the troops. And I want to say to you, each one of us is assigned by God to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And I am unapologetically telling you that we've got to stay hopeful. We've got to be optimistic. We've got to look at the negativity of the world and in a very biblical and meaningful way, address it in faith and figure out how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Amen. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today. Yeah. So I want to encourage you with these words. Cast not away your confidence because guess what? It'll have a great reward. And during that period where I was physically hurt, emotionally hurt, psychologically hurt, I was, I was knocked unconscious, so I think it affected my thinking. But God brought me through it. It was depressing when this church flooded in 1993. But rather than lapse into a victim mentality, I shifted over and started to get out into the promises of God, pacing in my backyard, crying and praying for about three hours, and the reason I had to pray for three hours because I was getting depressed, I was distracted, my mind was numb, but God is good. And as I was praying, even in that context, God gave me direction on what to do. Even when I just couldn't even put my sentences together. Yet God was there, faithful, faithful, faithful. He is so faithful. Hallelujah. He says, for yet in a little while, verse 37, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Now that's talking about the gathering up of the saints and the second coming of Jesus, but it could also mean your answer's coming. Your prayers are being answered. Breakthrough's coming. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now that word shrinks back 
is a compound, hupostelo, and it means to withhold under or out of sight. It's to be privatized, to hang out behind under a rock. It's to cower or shrink. It's to cower, and God has not given us cowardice or timidity. He's given us courage, boldness. The, this next point is to conceal or reserve or keep back. Listen, we're not, his soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back. God's soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back. The good news, though, in verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Built into our new birth as a consequence of the new birth, the recreated human spirit has Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And additionally, we have been given a massive download quotient of confidence. It's called faith. It's, it starts out like a, you could have a faith like a grain of a mustard seed, and you could command a mountain to be moved, and it'll be moved. You could pray, believe, and receive, and shift the focus and flow of a country. You can pray, believe, and receive, and something like the Iron Curtain will dissolve, and what was previously closed to the gospel would become open and for enough of a period of time to get millions and millions of people born again. Southeast Asia, the Latin world, Africa, Europe, North America, all around, the nations are just a drop in the bucket. I want to close with a healing verse because I just feel like we need to look at a miracle. And so let's just do that. Let's go there to this amazing verse in, in Mark chapter 10. I felt led to go back to this. It's a different verse, though. I want to read this to you about Bartimaeus because it's one of my favorite. He was blind. And they came to Jericho, verse 46, chapter 10 of Mark. And he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he began to cry out. So I said this repeatedly. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him. So they, he, he, he said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Say that with me. Take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. Say it again. Take courage, stand up. He's calling you. And I, I feel like these are the three things. You take courage. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribu tribulation. But take courage, and one translation says, be of good cheer. Courage and cheer are close cousins. And a cheerful, hopeful continuance is, is something that apparently really pleases God. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Pastors like me are praying for churches like ours about the restoration of the momentum of physical fellowship because it's essential. 
It's essential, and we can't just, it, you can't just digitize it, and it can't just be virtual. It has to be literal. And God's called us, and we're believing God, you know, and I live in this United States, and I've been here my whole life, and I've watched change since I was born in the 1950s. I watched the turbulence of the late 60s and early 70s, and where I was in Southern California, it was pretty concentrated. I talked to uh, a president a few years ago about how I felt like California was crazy, and he was from Texas. He said, no, Texas was crazy too. It was, and then I realized it was crazy everywhere. But also in the midst of the crazy everywhere, the Holy Spirit was moving everywhere. And we had a wonderful outreach and outflow of God and the power of the Holy Spirit hit a culture. And they call it the Jesus movement. And we're about to see it again. But yet in the individual term, Bartimaeus was stuck. He didn't care about how illustrious the meeting was in Jericho. He didn't care about where they had just been or where they were going. When he heard about Jesus and he's in his blindness, he, he didn't see Jesus. He didn't see the miracles, but he heard. Faith comes by hearing. And in the midst of the pitch black darkness of his condition, he refused to be intimidated. He refused to be ignored. He refused to shrink back. God's soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back. Uh, so he cried out and he said, yeah, take courage, stand up. He's calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? So it went from the general, have mercy on me, to the specific. Generally, how many of you need God's mercy? <laughs> All the time. Specifically, what are the particulars of the needs in your life today? What do you believe in God for? About the fruit and productivity of your life. Answers to your prayers. What do you believe in God for for your finances? What do you believe in God for for your family? Man, get a hold of the promises of God in a very specific way. You know, the borrower is the lender's slave. So God doesn't want us to be burdened and bogged down by debt. That's why there's so much scripture about give, it'll be given to you and so forth. God wants us to be free. He wants to alight upon our economics. He wants to help us to not be impulsive in our purchases and not get caught up in the consumer drive that's particular in our time in this consumer-driven society. He actually wants us to shift and understand that he wants us to be uh, providers and producers more than consumers. And you see that all over amply through the scriptures. Give, it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's talking about being merciful and forgiving. Uh, but we also use that and understand that in the context of giving our time, giving out effort and prayer, giving our finances. It just includes all of that. It's just a sound, solid reality. There are many specific scriptures about finances. There are many, many scriptures about healing. I, you know, people get a hold of those and they, I have a favorite. And mine is Psalm 103. He pardons all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. Another one is Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. A lot of people say, man, Pastor Jeff, I like Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He bore our sins and carried our diseases. I like 1 Peter 2, 24. There are so many of them. But just this little encapsulization right here, this example, he calls him and he throws his coat. He jumps up, he's blind, he comes to Jesus and, and he says, what, do you, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he could have said, 
man, I've got the sniffles and I've got a sinus congestion. Could you pray about that? And uh, the blind man said to him, Rabboni, our teacher, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and began following him on the road. We love the immediate, but, but that's why in Hebrews 10, it says, cast not away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. That's talking to people that don't get things in an immediate. So I've had immediate breakthrough. How many of you have had some immediate miraculous things? And it's really cool. Well, sometimes there are protracted battles. So this is good for the fast, medium, and uh, slow cook, right? Fast microwave to the crock pot of your process. But in all these things, do not cast away your confidence. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not. Let's all stand up on our feet, and we're going to pray the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter 20 did not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God. He didn't shrink back. His soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back. That's the exact same Greek word. Now, Paul, Peter did shrink back from fellowshipping with the Gentiles. God's soul has no pleasure with those who shrink back. So Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face because he had been connecting with the Gentile believers, but then when the people of James and the Judaizers came and the legalistic guys came, he started backing away again, and Paul said, uh-uh, uh-uh. And God had already given Peter a dream. That, don't call that which is holy common. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, read the book of Acts and read all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then read Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st Peter, 2nd Peter, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Squeeze everything you can out of the Word right now. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed. Put your hands on your heart. Stir up that confidence on the inside of you. Say this with me. Father, I trust you that since I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me, you have plans for me. You knew I'd be here tonight. You knew I'd be dialed in tonight. You knew I'd be in touch with this word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. Hallelujah. There's a joy component in my life. A merry heart does good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have cheerful hope in continuance. I am moving in constancy. I do not shrink back, but tonight I boldly declare that if God is for me, who can be against me? I am more than a conqueror. God hears and answers my prayer. When I repent, he forgives me. When I pray, I trust that he hears it. He answers my prayer. He watches over his word. And he is strong and mighty toward me. Hallelujah. Amen.